in the Allegheny West Annual Conference of the Global Methodist Church, and that means uh, not only do I have the privilege of being your pastor, but I get a chance to work with 21, 22 other churches. And I can tell you most of them don't even have a single child attending their church. Friends, the American church is dying. It is. But it's not going to happen here at Rolling Plains. Amen? Because we have all generations represented here. And that means it takes all generations to participate with all generations. And so, friends, we have the privilege of being God's church for decades to come. And we continue to lay the foundation of 152 years of history as Rolling Plains Church. And friends, our children aren't just our future. Our children are right now. Our children are teaching classes. They're blessing each other. Our children are teaching me. How about you? Have you been taught by a child lately? You bet. We're about to get taught by a child in today's lesson, as a matter of fact. So friends, the opportunity is there for us to continue to be God's church. And, and friends, so here it is. I mean, if, if there's five Sundays in a month, take one and serve in children's ministry. You can catch the worship service online when it's, you know, later that day or the day after. And you're only missing one Sunday a month. Or maybe you want to serve more than that. That's fine. Or we had somebody that is now downstairs working with our children at 10. She came with her husband at 8.15 service this morning, made the sacrifice to get up early, came to worship, and is now serving at 10 o'clock. These are exciting times, friends. I mean, we have more than 75 children and teens that God is blessing us with every Sunday. I mean, let's give God some praise right now. I mean, that is exciting. God is good. So thank you, Heather. Thank you, team. We appreciate you. Um, and on that note, by the way, uh, uh, on behalf of the uh, uh, President of Pro Temporary Jeff Greenway and the Allegheny West Annual Conference, I bring you greetings. I've spent three days there. Can you see my smile on my face? I've been smiling for four days straight. My face hurts. All right? I mean, it's just an incredible joy. I've been going to annual conferences for 20 years, and I never thought it could be like what I experienced for three days in, at Reynoldsburg Church. Uh, we shared God's word, we uh, were taught and encouraged, we shared God's vision together, we ordained. I was a part of the shortest five-hour service I've ever been a part of yesterday. It was five hours long, and by the time we were done, I was like, can we ordain some more folk? Who wants to, I mean, let's, let's just keep going. Can we, can we keep doing this? Friends, we believe it was the largest class of ordained pastors in the history of Methodism that happened over the course of the last three days. Lives were changed. God is good. God is good. And I share that with you because we're a part of it. We are connectional in nature. We're a part of the Global Methodist Church, of the Allegheny West Annual Conference, who continues to hold to 2,000 years of biblical teaching that I experienced for three days there. Friends, this is the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit that is blowing through our conference. And the Holy Spirit was palpable those three days. And I pray that as we continue to introduce faith, introduce Jesus Christ into your life, introduce the power of the Holy Spirit, that the joy of the Lord will continue to be our strength. That every day we can have a smile on our face because no matter what comes our way, we have Jesus Christ in our hearts. Amen? And so I pray that if you come today and you don't know Jesus, I pray today if you come today and, 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 and inside of your heart you just don't have it in you right now to, to understand that joy of the Lord. It's okay, there's no shame, but it's possible. It's possible to have the joy of the Lord in your life as your strength. And we're going to just discover that every single day. And, and, and friends, I haven't even gotten to the sermon yet. G just give me a second here. I mean, friends, there, there are people in this world that are desperate for the answer. They're desperate for truth. They're desperate for hope. And here's the good news. As God's church, we get a chance to give it to them. 
That's what we're doing here today. We get a chance to give it to each other, give it to those on the live stream. Friends, we cannot be done as God's church until uh, every person in Muskingum County and beyond has heard the loving news of Jesus Christ. And it don't matter if they attend our church or not. We gotta get them into church somewhere, somehow. And if it be here, praise be to God, we'll make room. We'll always make room. We'll expand if we need to, right Pat? Right Dean? We'll, we'll expand if we need to. We'll, we'll do whatever it takes to, to continue to reach people for Jesus Christ. I'm not even done preaching yet. I haven't even started yet. Here we go. All right. So, uh, friends, today's sermon is called uh, uh, Sharing Your Loaves and Fish. We're talking about doing all the good that we can, right? Doing all the good that we can with all that we have that God has given us. And, and today we want to talk about sharing our loaves and fish. And you're like, Pastor John, I mean, what, what does that mean? I mean, I got to take my Sara Lee honey wheat bread and my, 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 my fish sticks and those kinds of things, and I got I to gotta, I gotta share those with somebody. Well, I'm glad you asked what that means because we're going to talk about it, all right? We're going to talk about what that means because we've been doing all the good that we can in this sermon series, and we're not just avoiding doing bad things or doing harm, and that's what we're, we're just keeping it simple. Do no harm, uh, 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 do good, and stay in love with God. And so we're not just avoiding doing bad things. We're not just avoiding doing harm to other people, but we're doing good with the talents and the supernatural gifts that we're equipped with and the time that we have. Uh, and, and by taking what we have and our material resources and sharing those with everybody who has need. Friends, that's what the New Testament church did, and that's what God's calling us to do, to take all that we have and all that we are and give it to the Lord. So friends, in Hebrews chapter 13, through him, then, the Bible says, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips praising his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for, this, for which such sacrifices God is pleased. So, friends, God is promising you that you have been equipped, you have been resourced, and you have been blessed. You have been blessed for every good work of the Lord. And when we do good and when we share what we have in our time, our talents, and our treasures, it's a sacrifice of praise to God that warms his heart, that pleases him. Our life as an offering to God is our true and proper worship. Now, friends, I'm going to make a statement here, and it's a bold statement, but I think you'll understand when I explain it. You can't love and worship God while holding back all that he's blessed you with. You cannot love and worship God while at the same time holding back all that he's loved and blessed you with. Friends, we know this as parents. We know this as grandparents. You know this as an aunt or an uncle. Friends, when you love your child, in order to love your child well, you cannot hold back from them the blessings that you have in your life. You bless them with material things. You bless them with your time, with, with, with positive, encouraging words, and you bless them. And if you don't do those kinds of things, then, well, in some cases, Child Protective Services will come and remove your child because these are the things that we're supposed to do as parents, Right? And so it's the same thing in our relationship with God. God has blessed us with so much, all of these resources, all of this love, and we can't love and worship him while holding back all he's blessed us with from the family of God and holding it back from people that are in need all around us. So friends, what we do is we take what we have and we put it into God's hands. Now the resistance that we're feeling in our hearts right about now Whenever we talk about money or possessions or the pastor talks about money or we read a passage in the Bible that talks about money. By the way, you can't go but more than a chapter or two in God's word without hearing him talk about money or possessions. God talked about that issue more than he did heaven and hell combined. 
uh, more than half of Jesus' parables and teachings were on money and possessions, so you can't go very far in God's word. But when you're starting to feel that agitation in your spirit, when, you're, when, when, when your seat on Sunday morning starts to get a little bit warm because the pastor's talking about money and possessions, that's just merely symptomatic of the human condition. It's symptomatic of the human condition that we continue to put our trust in and cling to our stuff. And that's why the writer of Hebrews warns. He says, listen, you got to remember this because it's not second nature. It's not second nature. Do not neglect doing good. Do not neglect sharing. Because if we don't prioritize it, and sharing what we have can easily be neglected or ignored. But rather, we're putting what we have into God's hands, and that pleases him. Now, friends, I, I know, if I know, you know, my own heart, I probably know your heart. And, and sometimes I just need to know, Lord God, just tell me what it is I need to do. I mean, I just need to know the good and right thing that I need to do here today. You know, wh- wherever that is, stepping out of the house in any given circumstance. Does anybody ever feel like that? You, God, would you just tell me what I need to do in this moment, right? So that leads us to prayer, studying God's word, seeking his face. When it comes to God's word, when it comes to money and possessions, the beautiful thing about it is... He says simply, just do what pleases me, and that is don't neglect doing good. Taking all that you have, all all that you have, and put it into my hands. Friends, do you want to please God? That's a great question. I want to please God. He says, just do today what pleases me. Every step you take, everything you do, every choice you make, just in that moment, simply do what pleases him. And I don't know about you, but I want to please my God. Don't you want to please God? And if we just kept life that simple, whatever I'm going to do, however I'm going to say it, whatever I'm going to do with what I have is going to please God today, then lean in. Then lean in today and hear about how we can please God. Now, like last week, we talked about toddlers showing us the human condition. You know, when a toddler gets together with another toddler and there's a toy in between them, what happens? The one toddler takes a hold of that toy and says what? Mine. And, and is his or her fist uh, clenched with holding that toy or is it wide open like this? Well, the one that doesn't have the toy is like this, right? But the other one is holding on to it really tight. But today we're going to take a look at a child in a sea of adults in the Bible and watch how he acts, and we're actually going to follow his lead because Jesus actually calls us to have the faith of a child. Amen? In the Bible, in multiple places in the Gospels, God calls us to have the faith of a child because there's a beauty and there's an innocence about a child. They're, they're, they're untainted by the ways and the logic of this world. They're afraid and worried of nothing because they walk through life fully and completely trusting their mom and their dad or, if, you know, or, or, or their, a single mom or, or a single dad. They, they will be cared for. They, they trust that everything is going to be all right. I remember that when I was a kid, just growing up. Because of my mom and dad, I just knew everything was going to be all right. And then the adulting thing started to happen, Right? And then all of a sudden you find out about the ways of the world and you get, you get knowledge and you get wisdom about how things operate and logic and, and educated. I'm not talking about the education in school. I'm talking about the education of the worldly nature of, 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 of what we live in, right? Right? And so we all of a sudden, we suddenly lose our innocence. We, we all of a sudden lo- lose the untainted lives and, and, and sin starts to enter into our lives. And so friends, when we take the faith of a child into us, it's a faith and a trust that we're going to learn to live by because we're going to fully trust our spiritual parent, our Father God. So here's the story. Jesus has landed on the shores of Galilee. The shores of Galilee is in a remote place and 15,000 people are needing Jesus. 15,000 people want a chunk of Jesus. They, 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 they want to hear his teaching. They, they want to get healed. They want to get blessed. 
And not only are they spiritually hungry, but they're physically hungry. It's getting late in the day, and in John chapter 6, it picks up this way. In the Bible, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, one of the disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. Can you say test him? Test him, right? For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Well, of course he does. Jesus just happens to be God, right? I mean, Jesus is God. He knows all, sees all. He knows, and he has a plan already in, in his heart for how to care for the needs of the people. And, and he's God. He could just snap his fingers and feed people in an instant. It didn't matter how many people lined up. God can instantly feed them. But instead, intriguingly, he asks the disciples their thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems a little odd to me. Why would the God of the universe really need the advice of, of the disciples. Hey, what do you guys, th gals, what do you think we ought to do? Right, there's purpose. There's intent behind this. Jesus isn't just about feeding 15,000 people physical food. He's about to change some attitudes. He's about to make an adjustment with the disciples. He's about to take them to class with this. He says he did this to test them. And so instead of doing it all on his own, he involves other people in solving the needs of the crowd. Can I just suggest to you that as long as the local church exists, God will always invite other people to meet the needs of the crowd. That is the local church. You have been invited to meet the needs of the crowd. Who's getting excited about that? I don't know about you, but God wants to save the healing of this world. He wants to use you to heal this world. You can give God a hand for that. I mean, it's okay. God wants to use you to make a difference. He wants to use you to change lives. He wants to use you to impart his love. He wants to use you as an instrument of his joy so that somebody without it can experience joy because they got a smile from you and a hug from you or a blessing from you. God distributes his grace and his love through you and me. He just chooses to do that. He always has done that. And it's no different here with these disciples. Now the question is, there's a test to be taken. Will the disciples pass the test? Better yet, how about us 2,000 years later? Will we pass the test? Will we pass the test? You see, the same test that's been given the disciples is one that's being given to us. Though he does not need to, Jesus wants to include them in on this miracle blessing, but at the same time also teach them on a lesson, watch this, a lesson of trust and a lesson of God's provision and a lesson on how he uses his people to distribute his blessings to others. And so what we see right away is a trust and a provision issue with the disciples in how they respond to this. And we're going to read that in just a second. You see, the disciples see scarcity rather than provision. They see scarcity rather than provision. And honestly, so do we. So do we. Let's look at that in verse 7. Uh, Philip answered Jesus, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. That's logical, right? There's 15,000 people. It's going to take more than a year's wages to be able to feed all these people. How, what are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean, how are we going to feed all these people? Clearly, nobody can do that, right? Another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, comes along and speaks up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and, and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Yeah, right. I mean, okay, great. Five loaves, two fish. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, there's, there, that, that, what's five plus two? Two plus five in this world is still what? It's seven. Michelle, what's five plus two? Seven. <laughs> five plus two in this world, the last time I checked, is seven. Okay? 
So in, 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 in this moment, in Andrew's mind, what a waste of time. But here's the ironic thing, okay? You remember, you remember when Jesus was standing in front of Pilate? Um, I'm going Easter on you here for a second, the Lent, the Lent season. Jesus is standing in front of Pilate, and Pilate asked, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Hello? Jesus is standing right in front of Pilate when he asked that question. Who is Jesus? The way, the truth, and the life. The truth isn't just a piece of paper. The truth is manifested in a person. Jesus, Jesus is standing in front of Pilate when he asks the question, what is truth? And Jesus is the answer, and Pilate can't see the forest for the trees. And here are the disciples. They're, they're, they're believing in their spirit that there's not enough. There's no way that this can happen. They're doing the math. Five plus two equals seven. And they're standing in the presence of the great provider. Friends, how many times have we stood in the presence of the great provider and claimed that it just doesn't add up? That it just doesn't add up. It's just not going to happen. There's just no way. They can't see the forest for the trees, just like Pontius Pilate standing in front of Jesus couldn't see it. Jesus' own disciples couldn't see it. They've been walking with him. They saw the miracle at Canaan when he turned water into wine at a wedding. They've seen him bring healing into people's lives. And still standing in front of him, they didn't get it. They would still claim in that moment that there isn't enough. Does that sound familiar? You ever, you ever made that statement before? Maybe you haven't said it out loud, but if you have a spouse, you probably have. It's, 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 a, it's a conversation that spouses have a lot when they look at their finances or consider what the bills are that are going out and the money that's coming in. We probably have uttered those words at some time in our life. There just isn't enough, right? Um, and, and, but we, if, if we haven't uttered it out loud, we felt it in our heart at some point in time. There just isn't enough. Friends, it's similar to the feelings that well up inside of us when we hear teachings on finances or we hear teachings on the biblical tithe or on sharing our resources. There is this utter fear inside of us that if we share or give what it is that God teaches us to give, that we won't have enough left over for us. We won't have enough left over for our family needs. Uh, we might go broke. We might wind up in a roadside ditch. It's interesting how far the human mind can go in a nanosecond, right? Pastor John is talking about giving. If I give, I'm not going to have enough. If I don't have enough, I'm going to lose the car. The house is going to crumble to the ground, and I'm going to wind up broken the side of a road. I mean, that's, it's, our minds go to these places, friends. Let's just name it out loud. And so that's a scarcity mindset, the same that the disciples have in their hearts. Rather than focus on the God that's in us and right in front of us, rather than focus on the abundance of God with us, all we can see is lack and not enough. But we serve a God who Paul described in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 in the Bible, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He will meet all of our needs. Did you know in Luke chapter 12, the Bible, Jesus starts going kind of wacky on some people. He starts talking about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And he says, well, the birds of the air, right, they, they don't worry about their nests. They don't worry about where they're going to live. The birds of the air, they don't worry about what they're going to eat. Oh, and he talks about the lilies of the field. Jesus is, maybe he's going hippie on them. I don't know. He's talking about the lilies and the flowers, right? Uh, lilies in the field, what is he talking about? Well, the lilies don't tarry. They don't worry about anything. And look how beautiful they are. You ever picked up a lily? Looked at it in your yard? You plant them in the springtime? Winter's not even here. I'm ready for spring. I don't know about you. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, did we do that? We just put something in the ground. Jesus did that. Do you think that flower is worried about how beautiful it is? No, God just makes that flower that way. And if he cares that much about birds of the air, and if he cares that much about lilies in the field, how much more do you think our God is going to care about you, Jesus says? he's our great provider. And Jesus would say, stop worrying. 
Stop living in lack. Stop living in lack. Stop living with the math that says 5 plus 2 equals 7. It's just not enough. It's a waste of time. We're going to get to that in a minute. Luke chapter 12, the Bible says, but seek his kingdom. Seek God's kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. When we make God the first and right priority in every part of our life, and whether, whether it's within our, in, in relationships, whether it's in our jobs, whether it's in how we handle our time or our, our, our skill sets, whether we, how we handle our spiritual gifts, uh, what we do with our time, our talents, our resources, our treasures, what we do with our money, when we honor God first in all of these areas, and we, when we honor the kingdom of God first, what does it say? Everything else will be added in your life. What does that mean? God is going to care for you. When we, when we are faithful to God, God will prove what in our life? God will prove faithful, right? Have you put him to the test lately? Because I think some of us struggle with that, right? So if we seek the Lord and we put him first in every area of our life, if we give him all that we have and all that we are for his glory, if we, if we work hard, you know, work, work a career, he'll provide for us in a supernatural way that only God can. So what I love about Andrew is here, here, comes, here comes along Andrew, right? Philip says, well, listen, it's going to take more than a year's wages to feed all these people. And then Andrew comes along and he says, well, well, listen, I mean, I got the, you know, this kid, he's got like five, he's got like five, you know, loaves and, and um, you know, a couple fish, but that's not enough, right? The little we do have won't cut it, Jesus. It's a scarcity attitude and a scarcity mentality. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about this interaction between Andrew and this child, right? Do you think that Andrew went up to the child, bonked him on the head, knocked him out, and took his lunch? Do you think Jesus would take that and bless that? Probably not, right? So what do you think, what did that transaction look like? What do you think happened there? Here, here, here's what I picture happening. You got a group of adults standing around and Jesus in the middle and they're all trying to figure out how to solve this problem and all of a sudden everybody starts to catch wind of it and this kid hears about it and well, he looks down and he's got his groceries for the week, right? Five loaves and two small fish. Why, that doesn't seem a lot to feed 15,000 people. Five loaves and two small fish is a lot for a little boy. More than likely, he's got the family groceries. He may even be a home, on his way home from the market. To, to, to be responsible to take these to his family. And, and yet all of a sudden, in, in, in this moment, we see this little boy not have it taken from him, but we trust in this moment that, that, that the disciples didn't take it from the boy, that he offered it. That this little boy took his five uh, loaves and, and, and two fish and he offered it. And a, again, it didn't seem like much to everybody else, but to him, it, it, was, it was a lot. It could have been the family groceries. And the adults, while they're stuck in scarcity mode and there's not enough going around and the crowd is too big, this boy in all of his innocence, ignorant to the wisdom of the world, right? Ignorant to how math works, praise be to God. Uh, ignorant to the, that in this world, five plus two uh, equals seven. No, for, for this boy right now, in his mind, that, 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 that five plus two equals maybe a little bit more than that. He just brings it forward. He just offers it to God, sharing what is in his hands into God's hands, and what you'll see is Jesus multiplies what the boy gives him. That's because Jesus will multiply what we give him for his purposes. Let's look at it in John chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus said, I had the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, so then how many people would there be? 15,000 people, just estimate, right? Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks. Notice this, Jesus gave thanks with what was given to him in his hands. Friends, when we take what we have and we put it into God's hands, it's blessed. It's blessed by God. When you put your money into God's hands, it's blessed money. 
When you put your, when you put your gifts into, in, into God's hands, it's blessed gifts. When you put your talents and your time into God's hands for his purposes, your time is going to be blessed. Your talents are going to be blessed. And then he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. You see, friends, some of you, you're holding on to 100% and you think you're going to be more blessed by it, but you're living without blessed money. Some of you are holding on to your time and your, and your, and your talents and, and you think that, that, that it's best to serve yourself and, and, and God says you're, you're living without blessed talents and blessed time. But in this moment, what we see is, is that Jesus takes these loaves, gives thanks, distributes them who were seated as many as they wanted and he did the same with the fish and when they had all had eaten enough, uh, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So friends, in the eyes of an adult, <laughs> in the eyes of the adults that were in the room at the time, in the eyes of the world, five plus two equals seven, right? Five plus two equals seven. What a waste of time, right? What a waste of time. But in the eyes of a child, full of belief, in the eyes of the kingdom of God, five plus two equals 15,000. Five plus two equals 15,000 fed. Oh, no, actually, it's better than that. Uh, in, in the kingdom math, five plus two equals 15,000 and some leftovers. Twelve baskets full of leftovers. And so, friends, we are learning from this that when we take what we have in our hands and we put it into God's hands, he will multiply it for his purposes. And so Jesus and the disciples are miraculously able to distribute all this food amongst the crowd. I can, hear, I can just see the disciples now when they go to the first person and, and they got five loaves and two fish. And they're, and they're looking up at this person. They're looking at the other 14,999 people standing there in line. And they're looking at this person and say, just take a crumb, please, because this has got to last. Can you imagine the angst in that moment? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they, just, they, keep, they keep going down the line and they keep looking and there's more to be had. God just didn't all of a sudden provide a pile of fish and bread. No, as it was given out, the Lord just kept multiplying it. And all of a sudden, the disciples were in class. Class was in session, friends. And if we'll pay attention, class is in session for us as well. Because when you put it all into his hands, when you seek his kingdom and you share what you have into his hands, the Lord of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field is going to take care uh, of you and provide for you. The question is, in this moment, when oh, this child saw possibility, the question is, do we see possibility as well? Now, who do you think the leftovers went to in this moment? The 12 baskets full of, of fish and crumbs that were left, right? They, they, of course, they, they went to the boy. They, they went to the family. After giving his five loaves and two fish, the family's food for the week, he winds up taking home more than he started with. Can you imagine that conversation? He shows up at home and says, Mom and Dad, I'm here with the family groceries. And they're like, okay, what did $5 buy? Probably five loaves of fish, five loaves and two fish, right? Uh, no, Mom, uh, um, can you come outside? We got, uh, we got, we got uh, 12 wagon trains to unload. Uh, we got 12 baskets full of stuff out here. And can you imagine Mom and Dad's face? Like, son, what did you do? What did you do, right? And, and the boy's like, Mom and Dad, I got a story to tell. I just want to testify that I met with Jesus. And I gave all that I had to Jesus because it looked like he needed it and the people needed it. And not only did he bless all those people, but he blessed us as well. You want to talk about a story to tell, right? That's the conversation that probably happened around the table. Friends, that can be your story too. If you're willing to share your loaves and fish, you might be able to have that conversation with your kids someday. To say, son, daughter, 
we took a step of faith. We took what was in our hands. We put it into God's hands. We were kind of scared to do it a little bit. We didn't know how it was going to work out. We thought five plus two was seven, and then we met Jesus, and he showed us a different kind of math. And I'm just here to tell you, friends, when you are a giver, he's like, it's not just money. When you give up your life, everything that you have and all that you are, but monetarily as well, when you put it into God's hands, you're going to walk around everywhere you go with 12 baskets full of stuff behind you, and you're going to have a story to tell. You're going to have a testimony to share. You're going to be able to tell that story to your kids and your grandkids and your family and the people at work, and they're like, you do what? You take 10% of the verse that comes in and you give it to God through the local church? Are you nuts? And you say, no, I'm not nuts. I'm blessed. Look at the 12 baskets full I've got behind me. And look at all the lives that are being changed out there as a result of my generosity, friends. And so he winds up taking home more than what he started with. So, friends, when you hear, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you, this boy is a living testimony of that. When the adults in the room couldn't figure out how God was going to provide, it was the innocence and the trusting faith of a child that saw possibility with what he had in his hands. So, question, friends, what is it that we're putting into God's hands? What are we willing to put into God's hands if we can see what this boy did and how God blessed him and how God used him to bless others? Are you giving him what God calls us to give and commands us to give, the first fruits in the Bible of everything that comes in, the first 10% of everything that comes into him through the local church, friends? In Malachi, it's spelled out in God's word. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the local church, that there may be food enough in my house, that there would be enough loaves and fishes to go around. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Remember that Jesus showed up on the scene, and the Bible says that he did that to test them. Jesus is testing us, and also Jesus is inviting us to put him to the test, to, to, to have Jesus put his money where his mouth is, and that is to say, hey, God, okay, I'm going to practice what you're preaching to me, and I'm going I'm to do that, and I'm going to see if you're going to come through. Jesus says, test me in this, and see if I will not bless you and throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out many blessings. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, the Bible says, Given it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Friends, when you seek his kingdom, when you share what you have in your hands into the Lord's hands, the birds of the air and the, 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 the Lord of the, uh, of the lilies of the field is going to care for you and provide for you. All this is going to be given to you and provided for you, friends. And if you don't receive it here on earth, friends, it's going to happen in heaven someday. Now, by now you're saying, well, does that mean I'm going to get a stack of money if I give Jesus a stack of money? Friends, that's prosperity gospel. That's not, that's, not, that's not sound teaching, okay? It's not just a fiscal blessing, okay? God can do more than that. He's going to bless your entire life. You, you, you want to talk about a, a blessing? He's going to bless your marriage. When you start to get your finances right, it'll bless your relationships. It'll bless your marriage. When you start to honor God with what's coming in, it'll start to straighten you out financially because all of a sudden you've got to tighten up what you're going to do with the other 90% and you won't be spending frivolously anymore. And you won't have a fear of lack anymore. And you won't be living in scarcity anymore. And you'll have a peace financially in your life. Most of us are living with finan without financial peace. That's why the class is called Financial Peace University. Because most of us don't have it. All that will come as a result of aligning our life with God financially. You see, some of us are really, really struggling to obey the Lord in the biblical tithe. Because if we're honest, we have a fear of lack. We have a scarcity mentality that rules our heart. That there just won't be enough if we give to God and do what he commands us to do. Friends, you need to have the faith of a child that does not measure things in the way that the world measures things, right? But fully trusts our heavenly parent in God and Jesus Christ with everything and worries about nothing. That's what a, a faith of a child does. You see, friends, some of us are living by addition. We're living with the world's math. And when we live by addition, we're always anxious about money. We're always anxious about how much more can we add to our life. We have to have more in order to be blessed. No matter how much we have more of, though, and no matter how much more comes in, we're never content. 
And you see, having enough is consuming our life because we're living with addition. We're living by the wrong math, friends. But you seek the kingdom of God, and when you seek the kingdom of God, and you take what you have and obediently put it into his hands and trust it into his hands, you'll be living with kingdom math, where 5 plus 2 doesn't equal 7, 5 plus 2 equals 15,000 and 12 baskets of leftovers, friends. And the windows of heaven will be opened wide in our life, and a good measure of the Lord's blessings will be poured back into our lap. Friends, it requires us letting go of control. It requires of us just letting go. Letting go of having faith in our money, friends. Why have faith in our money? It's gone here. I mean, it's here a second. It's gone tomorrow, right? But God is not. It, it requires us to live by, not by sight, but to live by faith and to let go of it and let it go to Jesus. Friends, this boy shared what he had in his hands, and the Lord used it mightily to bless other people. And the boy's family was blessed as a result of it. His needs and his family needs were met for many months after that. Don't neglect doing good, the Bible says. Don't neglect sharing what you have with other people and with God. Make it a priority right? Decide with your family what it is you're going to give ahead of time. Be determined that the scarcity mindset isn't going to rule your life or rule your family, but you will seek God because the great provider standing right in front of you. He's right there in your heart, and you're going to work a, you're going to work a vocation really hard, and you're going to earn a wage, and you're going to do good, and you're going to obey, and you're going to trust that all these things will be given and added to you when you do the right things that God calls you to do with what you have, friends. So the question is, is are you willing to share your loaves and fish? And I'm so confident that you are. You're going to look at your neighbor right now, and you're going to say this. I said, I'm, going to, I'm willing to share my loaves and fish. How about you? Go ahead and look at your neighbor right now. It's okay if you're lying because uh, sometimes we need, to speak, we, we, we need to speak truth into our hearts, right? Look at somebody. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm going to share my loaves and fish. How about you? Friends, sometimes we just need to speak good and right things and allow them to wash over us to change our attitudes and our hearts into good and right actions. And so, friends, in this moment, let's just, uh, let's just go to some action steps. We're going to wrap this up. Um, number one, number one, practice trust by putting the first 10% into God's hands. I don't have enough, you say. That's okay. You're in good company. Andrew and Philip thought the same thing, right? That makes you a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, now the good news is, is God wants to know, are you going to pass the test, right? And Jesus says, okay, I, I understand that you feel that way, Philip and Andrew, just look at this boy right here, and look what happened with the five loaves and the two fish that he gave me. Don't we want that to be a part of our life, to change lives and to bless people at the same time? Absolutely. So practice, the, practice trust with God by putting the first 10% into God's hands. Let me just ask you this simple question. Do you think that God is going to bless you more if we haven't proved faithful with what he's given us? So think about this. Sometimes we think it's counterintuitive, this idea if that we're struggling financially to give God a little bit of what we have because that doesn't make any sense in this life. But what God is actually saying is, listen, I can't bless you with more. I can't provide or bless you in whatever area you need it because you haven't been willing to trust me in that area of your life. It works in every part of our life, friends. That's, that's biblical. The Bible literally says, why would God trust us with more if we're not good stewards with what we have? That's actually a principle if you've been a parent before, right? What happens? You give your kids some money, they come back and and you say, well, how much, you give them a 20, and, and, and they went to get a soft pretzel, and they say they spent it all? Are you giving them 40 next time? Sir, are you giving them 40 next time? What are you giving them next time? Uh, how much is the pretzel? It's 250. Here's 250. Right? Think about that. Number two, uh, plan your giving. We can plan our spending, can't we? We plan our spending. 
We set aside money for vacations. We set aside money for the car or purchases. Or, and we set aside money for that. I remember when I was a kid, I set aside money because I had to have a remote-controlled car. It cost $75. Back then, $75 is a whole lot today, right? And my dad said, save your money. So I had like this penny jar. I'd put money into it. I'd say, friends, what if we did that to give to God? And we planned our giving at the beginning of every month that we planned our giving according to our income, the Bible says. Number three, look for God's amazing provision. Just wait for the, the floodgates of God to open up when you finally, in this moment, decide to, 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 to let it go and to give it to God and say, God, it's all yours. Do with it as you wish. I don't know, friends, about you, but um, I know this is a struggle. It's been a struggle in my, my wife and I's life uh, uh, many years ago. But once we realized um, God's truth and started following it, I'll never turn back. Here's what we discovered in, in our life. Um, you can never outgive God but it's sure fun trying. It's sure fun trying. So um, I, I want to make a commitment to you. My family is going to continue to share our loaves and fish. How about you? You see, because here's the thing, and I'm going to do this and we're going to pray and I'm, I'm going to be done. Um, you have an amazing finance team in this church, amazing leadership team, and they put it all on the line. And, and they're sharing their loaves and fish and Every year we get to this season and we put together what we call a faith budget. Right, Pat? That's what we call it. It's a faith budget, right? You want to know what a faith budget means? It means that we believe that we have these needs and we believe that our church is called to do these things and we believe that God wants us to, to use us to do end zone and 150 kids on a Friday night. God wants us to do a trunk or treat out here. You know how many people are going to show up for trunk or treat? We had almost 1,000 people here last year and they were blessed, right? Lives are being changed. People are being discipled. We've had almost 20 baptisms this year. You're changing lives. And we get together and we put together this faith budget. We, we, we pray about what God wants to do in the next year. And here's the faith piece. We've got to trust Jesus to fulfill it and bring it in. Better yet, we've got to trust that Jesus' people are going to do what the Bible says and be obedient to the biblical tithe. And I'm here to tell you, there's some moments where we're putting that budget together and we're kind of like, I don't know if this is going to work. Right, Dean? We're looking at that and we're like, I, I mean, I don't know, but you know what? We believe that God wants to do this. We believe that God wants to bring LifeWise Academy to Maysville Schools, that God's going to set up our church and he's going he's to use this church. He's going to use this church and it's going to happen. But that means that we've all got to be all in. We, that, means, that, means, that means we're trusting we're trusting God that when we start passing the basket out to all these ministries, that we're not going to have to look at somebody and say, just take a crumb, because I don't know if this is going to last. What that means is, hey, we got a giving church. we got a church that's bringing their loaves and fish, and they're putting it all in into the basket. And we got plenty to go around. You want to do a LifeWise Academy? Let's go. You want to minister to people downtown? Let's go. You want to minister to people in the Dominican Republic? We got it because God's people have got it covered. Amen? Amen. So friends, before I pray, I just want to ask one more question. Who's going to share their loaves and fish? Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for this day. I'm so proud of this congregation. Lord God, I'm so thankful for the people in this room and listening online and those that couldn't be here today. Lord God, it's been a challenging year couple years removed from COVID, and Lord God, you didn't, and, and, and Rolling Plains Church made it through that, and we're doing well. Lord God, it's been a challenging year as we've disaffiliated, and we had $180,000 debt as a result of it to make payments to, to get out from underneath the prior denomination and into the new one, and Lord God, people have given an additional $110,000 towards that, God. My, my Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. 
And Lord God, we got a little bit of debt to go. We got a little bit of debt on our facility. We got a faith budget we're putting together for 2024, but we believe that Lord God, you're gonna continue to use our church. And Lord God, you're, you're, you're always using your people to meet the needs of the crowd. And Lord God, I want it to always be that way. So Lord God, would you use our church to meet the needs of the crowd? Would you use us in here to meet the needs of one another? Would you use us in here to meet the needs of those elementary school kids at Maysville that, that, that get a chance to have a chance to, to get Bible education during school hours, Lord God, possibly we're dreaming? And many, many other things, Lord God. Lord God, would you move in our hearts and our spirit to ask this question, are we putting our loaves and fish in the hands of your son Jesus? And will we as a church be able to walk with baskets full of provision and to say, it's okay, we got enough. Keep taking, we got more. Because the people of God on this day and every day forward said, we're, we're gonna take what we have and put it into the hands of the Lord and trust him. That's what we believe, God. We're trusting you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, friends, I want to tell you, that, that, that's a prayer, uh, and this is a sermon we can't accomplish in our own power. We, got, we, we need the power of Jesus in our life to do this. Amen? Because some of you are like, I don't think I can do this. That's okay. God can through you. So let's stand and let's sing as we close this service and invite the prayer team to come forward. And I know some of us need to be ministered to. Some of us have some things we want to confess to God. That's okay. Come forward. Some of us have needs in our life, and, and we just need an extra touch of Jesus in our life. Come forward and see what God does. Some of us, we're living in fear. We're living in lack, and, and, and we don't know where it's going to come from, but we want to trust Jesus. Come forward, friends, every single one of us, and let's see what God does. Let's, let's sing.